The Church of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut is blessed to bring you this edition of Shi'ar Jashub. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and in this broadcast, we will be continuing the Through the Bible Heavenly Authority series taught by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. Pastor is currently in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 1, where we read how David's son Adonijah exalts himself, saying, I will be king, and prepares chariots and horsemen to run before him in the proclamation. At this point, David is old and feeling the cold of advanced years. But when we left off, Pastor was showing that David understood from the Lord that it was Solomon, not Adonijah, who was to follow him as king over Israel. And Solomon was also called Jedidiah, or Beloved of the Lord. Pastor Greg was reading from 1 Chronicles chapter 22, where David calls Solomon to tell Solomon the word of the Lord that came to him concerning the building of the temple. Before we rejoin Pastor Greg, let me invite you to visit our website this week. The address is www.shiarjashub.org. Now, let's go right back into the Sunday message. Behold, the son shall be born to you, who will be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies all around him. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his day. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you, and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God, as he has said to you, only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will prosper if you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments with which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. Be strong, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear do not be dismayed. Remember that phrase, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. It'll tie into what we study in the next section. But he's charging him, be careful to fulfill the law of God. And we know that Solomon is not careful later on. But it's clear that God has chosen Solomon. He's the one that'll build the house. And we know also, we've studied this scripture before, this has a short-term fulfillment in Solomon it has a long-term fulfillment, and he who is really the beloved of the Lord, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, the one whose name, like Solomon, really means peace, and that's Jesus Christ. But it's clear to David God has chosen this boy out of the other sons to be the one to succeed him, to be the one to build the temple. So even though he's shown a lot of favoritism to his other sons, he has it in mind, and it's clear in his mind, that Solomon will succeed him. And as Adonijah, who is older, he's one of the six born in Hebron. He's not one, I mean, Solomon is born when David is king in Jerusalem. Probably knows of his father's intentions. And now that David is old and he's cold, 
he says, this is a good point to seek to seize the throne. And he impudently decides to declare himself king. And we learn a little bit about where this presumptuous attitude comes from, where this insolence comes from in verse 6. It's a parenthetical section as though to explain verse 5 where it says that Adonijah exalted himself saying, I will be king. Some of your translations will have parentheses around it. The writer of the book of Kings is telling us why Adonijah is like this. Remember, David's alive, so this is treason, really. It's like David doesn't matter whatsoever. And his father, his father David, had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? He was also very good-looking. Absalom is very good-looking, too, right? Well, David was a handsome man, so these are good-looking boys. They're personable boys. They're growing up in wealth. His mother had born him after Absalom. So it's telling us a lot of things there, right? He's the next after Absalom. You know by now how David felt about Absalom, that even after Absalom wants to kill him, David's still crying there when Absalom dies and blaming everybody else except Absalom. And Adonijah is the next one. So he kind of falls into this mindset of David for his children. And we're told here he's a good-looking fella, so he's pleasing, he's someone that David relates to, and maybe to make that peace in that household. They're growing up in an odd circumstance. What does David do? He favors him. He does not rebuke him at any time by saying, why have you done so? If you have an NIV, it'll say his father had never interfered with him by asking, why do you behave as you do? Which implies what? He behaves wrong sometimes, right? Well, everybody behaves wrong. But this child does wrong, and he's so good-looking. He's the leader's son, the father who has the authority over him. If, like, if you're one of the servants, are you going to be the one to chastise the king's son? right? So the main one that has to do this is the king. And the king never interferes. He never rebukes. If you have a King James, it says, and his father had not displeased him at any time saying, why hast thou done so? He doesn't want to displease him. He doesn't want to rebuke him. He doesn't want to interfere with him. And that's the reason that he has this presumptuous nature and he takes the actions he does because he's never corrected. He's never disciplined by David. He's accustomed to having whatever he wants, never being questioned about whatever he does, and he gets away with whatever he does. And now he usurps the throne, and we'll see that he gets Joab and Abiathar the priest to join him without his father's permission, while his father's yet alive, treating David like some old fool. And it's all going to come to a bad end for Adonijah. Do you think David, in favoring, in not uh, disciplining, rebuking, not displeasing Adonijah, loved him. I bet if you asked David as a father, do you love Adonijah, he'd say, of course I love him. He's such a beautiful child. I give him everything he wants. I can't even bring myself to say a mean word to that beautiful boy. Now that, parents, is not 
God's love. David may think that's love. Many parents in America are like that today. Giving, giving, not questioning. Do whatever you want if it makes you feel good. Never interfering, never disciplining, never rebuking, never displeasing. We want to be our children's buddies, right? So let them do everyone else is doing it. Just, you know, make sure you come home, be part of the family, et cetera, et cetera. That is not God's love. You are making a child, you are training a child to be a person that you're not going to like someday if you have that attitude. What we do with children, how we teach our children, and part of teaching is correcting, is disciplining, is saying when something is wrong, it's wrong. When we do that the right way, that's showing love for them. Because character, godly character, does matter, and it matters to God. If it doesn't matter to you, parents, it matters to God. And you are creating a bad future for that child because you think you love them so much. That's not God's love. That's a wishy-washy, mushy-gushy, I just love that child kind of love. David had that, and he did Adonijah no good. He did him no benefit because what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And as a parent, we're the main ones responsible for telling our children what's wrong. It doesn't mean that we're always right. You know, a lot of, David did a lot of things wrong. Sometimes it's telling our children what we've done wrong and admitting and confessing our sins and saying, look, I don't want this for you. I don't want this for you. Leadership and responsibility. And a father is the head of the household and a mother is a head of a household over her children, requires speaking the truth even when it's not popular. Parents must teach and provide for a child in their body, in their soul, in their spirits. You know, most Americans understand the physical provisions a child needs, right? And they give more than's even needed. They spoil. They understand the soul requirements, right, that they need to be educated and have minds that can think and reason. And we're all big on education in our society, even though sometimes a lot of that education is worse than the sewer. The concepts, not, not the practical things in mathematics and science and English and reading, but the philosophy that permeates many of those subjects uh, is worse than, than sewage upon your children's minds. But we forget the spirit the person's spirit, being in the right position with God, thinking right in the spirit, acting right in the spirit. A person needs to grow and be fed in all three. And when we are, as parents take care of the body, feed the mind, but we forget that we are the spiritual heads of our household and we have to teach them the things of God, and we leave that to somebody else, we'll let the minister or the priest do it. Maybe the people, maybe the teachers of public school will teach them good values. Maybe the television will teach them good values. And we shirk our responsibility to speak to them because maybe it's hard, it's difficult. They're not going to like what we say. They're going to think we're old-fashioned. They may not talk to us for a week. They're going to be angry. They're going to say, you interfered in my life. Well, you're called to interfere in that child's life. Never feel guilty about that. God gave you. He placed that child, mothers in your womb, fathers in your household, that means you are given a God-given right to interfere. And not to interfere for evil, not to interfere for manipulation and control 
or for your own benefit, your own pride, but you're meant to interfere in the way of being the representative of God to that child. To tell them, to teach the children what's right and what's wrong and their need to depend upon God. We have to break from the message at this point. If you would like to listen to the program again or other radio broadcasts in our archive, you can join us on the Internet at www.shiarjashub.org. You'll also find info on our church, including our church history and articles of faith. There's even a biography on Pastor Greg, which we are sure you'll enjoy. And Pastor will be adding insightful commentaries on the scriptures, current events, and creation science. Right now, there is an important article he has written on Christian responsibility, which we hope you take the time to read. The address again is www.shiarjashub.org. That's S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B dot O-R-G. As always, we invite you to join us for Sunday service. Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. And you can write to us at Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. We hope you join us next time on Shi'ar Jashub.